There's some folks that Cal and Denton mentioned that we want to bring to your attention before we start our study this morning. Robert Struve is in the hospital in Littlefield. Craig Setliff is in the hospital in Lockney and Paul Linda Gibson in the hospital here in Plainview. So we need to focus on those as well as Brother Thomas and, and those that are sick at home. Jackson managed to lead a song that I want to start with this morning. Jesus, keep me near the cross. If there was ever a thought that might be appropriate today, that, that seems to me that that would be very fitting. There's a particular line I want to bring to your attention. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting, ever. Thank God that we have that hope today. Our study today is going to be about doubt. It's going to be very similar, I suppose, in a lot of ways to what Lyle talked about last Sunday. Lyle talked about faith. Doubt's the opposite of faith. But our goal, or my goal, is the same goal Lyle had, and it's to strengthen our faith. It's kind of a backdoor way of looking at that but doubt's what challenges our faith doubt's what gets in the way of our faith doubt's what keeps us from having the kind of faith that we want to have that we need to have and that we should have but doubt's just a part of our reality you know, and I just found these verses here in Matthew 28 astounding. This is the resurrection chapter in, in Matthew. I would encourage you to go and, and read this whole chapter. But here in verse 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. How could you doubt? After the things that they had seen and heard and be a part of, how could they doubt? Well, they doubted for the same reason you and I doubt. We doubt because of the flesh. We doubt because of what we see. So I want to look at some of those things for a little while this morning. You know, I, I thought about this story or this parable Jesus taught, or maybe it wasn't a parable. Rich man and Lazarus. I've always puzzled about this, but as the rich man makes his plea to Abraham to do something for his brothers, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren there, 
that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So the rich man was in the place of torment, and he was concerned about his family. And he said, please, send Lazarus so that they don't come to this terrible place. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, isn't that logical? If somebody came to you from the grave, wouldn't you believe? Apparently the disciples didn't. So don't be arrogant about your faith. Because he says unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. So this is what you and I have. Are we going to believe this? Or are we going to let doubt reign in our life? Doubt is a tool that Satan uses to hide the promises of God. And I hope we can remember that because that's where doubt comes from. And that's what was happening with these disciples. And it's what happens every time Satan puts a temptation in front of you and I. He's trying to create doubt in whether or not we believe what God has promised us. And if he can create doubt, then he can control our behavior in a way that pleases him. So what happened to Peter? And I know Lyle talked about this last Sunday, but I, there's a point I think that's really important that I, I want to consider. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. <coughs> He walked on the water. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? See what happened to him? Doubt. That's what happened to him. Now, apparently, Peter and the other disciples felt safe on the ship. See, the wind and the, the boisterous wind and all the waves and all that was, that was going on, they were okay on the ship. So doesn't that mean that their faith was in the ship? 
Sometimes, folks, we got to get off the ship. I don't want to. I don't like it. It's the place where I'm comfortable. But Jesus is out there saying, come on, you know, we've got this. But we doubt. We doubt and we start to sink. And Jesus reaches out and saves us. It's the same story over and over and over, except we could overcome the doubt if we will. In Hebrews 10 and verse 39, the Bible says, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So what about this idea of drawing back? Life presents challenges, doesn't it? It does. We know that it does. And we're presented with a choice. We either press onward in faith or we draw back in doubt. And the apostle says, we are not of them who draw back. Why? Because the only option is to draw back into perdition. To be lost. We can't draw back. We believe to the saving of the soul. In Job chapter 4, I didn't do my proper research here. I'm not even sure who's talking. But this statement is made about Job, and I, I found the statement interesting. Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Job was a man that was about helping other people and encouraging and lifting up and carrying one another's burdens. That's what he was about. That's what he had always done. But now... It has come upon thee, and thou findest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. One of the points here is that trouble's going to come to all of us. And we want to honor and be thankful to those that strengthen others and that are about this. Just like Job was, but we've got to remember that our time is going to come also. And we need each other. And without each other, 
I'm going to take you back to Hebrews 10 and 39. We're going to draw back under perdition. Take heed, brother, must be in any of you in an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. That's what he was talking about, the same idea in Hebrews 10, drawing back unto perdition. But exhort one another daily. We need each other daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And when we get to that point in life where we can we think that we can do this alone, that's where we're gonna end up. We're gonna be deceived. Sin will deceive us. Second Corinthians 7, verse 5, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Paul was tired. We were troubled on every side. He was surrounded by all of this persecution and problems on every side, he said. Without were fightings, Within were fears. Paul was afraid. Paul was afraid. Nevertheless, God who comforteth us, comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul needed Titus. And that's what God provided. You know, I, I, I know how easy it is to convince yourself that you can't be of use to anybody else. But you're somebody's Titus. I don't care who you are. You're somebody's Titus. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't draw back. Psalm 78, verse 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remember not His hand nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of his zone. They forgot. And I know when things are not good, when things are going bad, how easy it is to forget what God's done for us. And that's what happened to them repeatedly. And we have the record of it. We can go read it over and over how the children of Israel went through this cycle. And we can break the cycle. We can break the cycle if we'll not forget 
what God's done for us and what he's promised to do for us and not doubt. I've talked about how we need each other. And one of the reasons we so desperately need each other is because there's all of these other voices out there. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. You know, and I, I know there's a whole bunch of discussion now in the political world about we've got to follow the science. We've got to follow the science. I want you to notice what he's talking about. He's talking about false science. And false science is opposed to faith. And Paul says very plainly here, avoid that. We don't need those voices in our head. And I know it's been said a dozen or if not a hundred times in the last few months. But we got to turn it off. Avoid profane and vain babblings. It's not helping us. Then he says, which some professing, what are they professing? They're professing science. False science. They profess that and they have erred concerning the faith. It's where that's where that's going to lead us. Grace be with thee. Amen. That's the way he closed his first letter to Timothy. Now, obviously... This was a concern because he went back to it in 2 Timothy. But shun profane and vain babblings. In 1 Timothy, he said to avoid them. Now he says to shun it. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Are we listening? And their word will eat as doth a canker, gangrene, eats the flesh. And this stuff is eating our soul. He names these two people who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. There's people attacking our faith. We've got to shun profane and vain babblings. James 1 and verse 6, James says this, and I know he's talking very specifically here about praying for wisdom. But I want, to, I want us to focus a minute as we think about prayer. 
because we're having prayers that are not being answered the way we want. We can't draw back from that. We can't draw back because of that. We've got to ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. We got all of this junk in our world that's driving and tossing us. And we got to turn that over to God without wavering. Because we have eternal hope. We have the cross of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the resurrection of Jesus. In Mark 16. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that they'd been with him as they mourned and wept. Mary believed. She saw him, and she believed. And she was enthused. And she wanted to go share this information. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Going on in verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them. As they walked, and went into the country, and they went and told it to the residue. Neither believed they them. So they didn't believe Mary, and now they don't believe these two. Jesus has risen from the grave. He's alive. Afterward, he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. Do you remember where we started, right? But some doubted. There was doubt with the eleven. And their hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So Jesus had told them what was going to happen very plainly. They had all the prophecy of the Old Testament that had told them what was going to happen. And then it happens, and they have eyewitnesses come and tell them what has happened, but they didn't believe. So it's a challenge. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died, and, but that he's alive? It's not logical. It don't fit anything that we know or see.
You know, I'll talk last week about Thomas and how Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. Well, we hadn't seen it. So do you believe or do you doubt? Romans 8 and 11, the Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, see why this is important? If you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, all of this other stuff is a exercise in futility. But if you do believe it, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now I know that I've got my title up there, I'm talking about eternal hope. And I am. But that starts right now. We have hope right now. We have hope in this flesh. He says that the same spirit that brought Jesus forth from the grave will quicken your mortal body. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not going to believe the rest of it. You can't. Make, it's not possible. But if you do believe in the resurrection, then it will quicken your mortal body. Gives us strength to do what we have to do. Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan. See why we need the promises of Galatians 2 and 20? We groan. Because we're burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath brought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Our mortality will be swallowed up with life, just like it was for Jesus. Therefore, the apostle says, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the, from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And to me, that, that's the key to the everything. Because when we walk based on what we see, it's very discouraging. But we don't. We walk by faith. We walk according to the things that we can't see. 
So when the apostle says here in 1 Corinthians 15, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It's not a victory. It's not an end. Death isn't, but it's what we see. That's why we walk by faith. We're going to conclude this morning with Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Life's not always easy. It's just not. We live in a broken world, broken by sin, and we're going to suffer. But he said, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. And I'm not, I don't want to get into all the prophecy and all of, this, all of that here. I just want to make one point about that statement. Our suffering is limited. There's an end to it. There's an end to it. But we need to be faithful. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Ever want to conclude a study or service without offering an invitation? It's the Lord's invitation. It's open anytime. But this is a convenient time. If you have a need that you want to put before the congregation, whether it be prayer or desire to obey the gospel, would you please come forward and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing this invitation?